Welcome to the Root of the Cause radio show. I'm your host, Dove, and today will be part two of my two-part series with Robbie Besner. And now for the disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Root of the Cause podcast is solely informational in nature, so please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatments that we discuss on the show. Now, if you like the content on today's episode, please follow me on Apple Podcasts. And to do that, just click that plus sign at the top right of your screen, just above the show logo. I'd also love to hear feedback, so please leave me a review as well as a five-star rating. It really helps out the podcast tremendously. So without further delay, I present to you part two with Robbie. So Robbie, let me ask you, I wanted to now get into talking about red light, actually. Now, it's to my, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's my understanding that actual, and these numbers could be wrong, but actual visible red light exists at a wavelength of around 600 to 700 nanometers, whereas far infrared begins at 700 nanometers. Now, if most of the mitochondrial benefits happen, as we, you know, you had just said, in the near infrared spectrum anyway, why then is red light therapy getting all this press? And also, like, why are these near infrared bulbs and saunas giving off red light when infrared frequencies, they're not even visible in the first place? Like, what's right. that about? <laughs> it's about marketing, Dove. Fair enough. <laughs> so, you know, if a, if a, uh, if a red light is borderline invisible to the naked eye, but you read and you see on a box a product that says red light and the bulb doesn't look like red, wouldn't that be a little confusing to you? Sure, sure. Well, marketing thing is believing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's why basically a lot of the red light, depending on what wavelength, because as you mentioned, it is between the six and 700 nanometer um, range. So if it's closer to 700, it's closer to being invisible. And so right. what generally what those um, factories and, and uh, device developers do is they just coat the inside of the lens of the diode or the bulb with some kind of coloring, like food coloring, you know? If mm. it was, if it was a uh, fluorescent light bulb, they'd use phosphorescent, phosphorescent powders, and the mix of the powders will change the color of the bulb but it doesn't change the frequencies. It just changes the, the color. And so you're looking for red. It gives you red. You're all happy. You go, you know, you can sleep comfortably that night. And, and then it essentially makes it visible where it otherwise was not. E, 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 well, In a sense. it doesn't make it, it doesn't change the wavelength. All it does is it just makes the like food coloring would change a clear liquid into a red liquid. Right. That's what the coloring would do on the coating on the inside of the, of the lens would do. Um, okay. Okay. But, oh, wow. But, you know, more importantly, um, it does bring up a whole issue of the new um, debate between the benefits of near frequencies versus infrared frequencies versus far infrared frequencies. And most of the science on infrared really is about is about far because it goes back well, probably almost a hundred years. But it was really only has been since the, in the last five years that the near frequency spectrum has become a little bit more researched and notable. And, a, and what followed that was a whole bunch of device developers that, that are developing only near frequencies um, devices. And then, of course, there's the, the battle like, oh, near is better than far and far is better than near. And, you know, right. So so for me, you know, I, I kind of as best I can, I study ancient um, cultures and see what what 
um, health attributes the cultures have utilized in order to maintain some kind of um, of longevity within that within that society. And I also look at nature and nature's playbook. And so what I did when I developed the first infrared, my first uh, version, the the Thera three sixty regular version, I looked at NASA publishes actually all the infrared rays that come and hit the Earth. Um, on a daily uh, and annual basis. And I just took the first standard deviation of all the rays and the proportion of near, middle, and far rays that hit the earth on a daily basis. And that was what I used sort of my secret sauce or my formula for how I allocated my full spectrum to try to mimic what nature does. And then Mm -hmm. three years ago or so, as I mentioned earlier, I just got this notion, you know, if it was a perfect world, if we were living in the time of Hippocrates, that'd probably be appropriate. But in today's world, it's not. We need to have a little bit more near in our cocktail because of the way that we're, uh, because of the epigenetics, the way that we're expressing ourselves these days. And we are, we have mitochondrial stress. We have the lack of nitric oxide and and so forth. We're aging at a faster rate. So let me ask you on along the lines of your red light panel. Now, so Given that infrared light isn't visible as we established, does that then mean that the red light in your new sauna, the red light panel, is more of an indicator that it's working to sort of give feedback to the user rather than having an actual therapeutic effect? And when I say not having a therapeutic effect, obviously the near-infrared wavelengths have a therapeutic effect, but the actual visible red in it, does that have a therapeutic effect or is that just there to indicate to the user it's on, it's working, it's doing its magic. We do use a red light um, and it is in that range. It's 660 to 663. And so it's just on the edge of being um, visible. And so that's where that red, uh, we don't use food coloring or lens dyes. <laughs> but, the, but the red light, the wavelengths of the red light, the red light itself is not where really the magic comes from. That's where people hear red light and they think it has this positive connotation, but it's really the near infrared in particular in terms of the mitochondrial biogenesis that's doing the magic. And from what I understand, it's the red light that's included so to get a larger spectrum, but not necessarily in isolation to have a robust therapeutic effect. Is that accurate? Yes, exactly. And that's why we've cherry picked three wavelengths in our trilight system. So each of our diodes actually has three frequencies in them. So most LEDs, light-emitting diodes, <clears throat> are what's called monochromatic. That means that there's a single frequency per diode. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I looked at the physics of that, I, I didn't understand why. I mean, that seems pretty limiting. Um, uh, and most of the guys that make um, near, uh, like, infrared LED light panels and if they've got, they might create a cocktail where they'll have a full row of, let's say, 600 and another row of 800 and another row of 850. And they create a cocktail, essentially, of frequencies of monochromatic LEDs. So I thought, well, if the end game is to try to get as much biophoton activity, that means I need to generate as much light frequency as I can and bring it into that uh, sauna uh, format or that environment. Um, let's investigate, uh, and that's what we did. We created a light, an LED bulb that actually has three wavelengths in it and powered it properly. So I'm basically delivering three times the amount of photon energy or light energy. 
and with the intensity and that the term that you use in my world for that is called emissivity. So the emissiveness really means, or the definition is what, how much of that light energy is actually piercing your skin, piercing the, the fat layer underneath your skin that's d designed to protect your inside from extreme heat or cold and get into the cell, actually get into the tissue. That's the end game. So, hmm. so some of those other developers out there, they're not lying when they say that they're, they're giving LED or that they're giving near frequencies um, and they're delivering that. But what's your body actually absorbing? What's your body actually using? What's, how is that changing your physiology? I mean, that's my game. That's where I'm going. I am trying to shift your internal chemistry so that it's healthy for you and it doesn't foster pathogens, you know, and or disease, you know? No, and I think no that makes sense. I think that's the way we really were sort of designed or divinely designed and developed, you know, as beings. Yeah. So this is a good segue to ask you about low-level laser therapy, which, you know, are those red light caps, I'm sure you know, that are marketed for thinning hair. So let me ask you, is the light therapy you get from those laser caps basically the same thing as the light from a full-spectrum sauna, and it's basically just the name that's different? No, it's not the same. It's actually very specific cherry-picked frequencies, LLLT, yeah. low-level laser therapy. Um, okay. Okay. It's super okay. good. It super works. I mean, we're studying and working with our systems to help people with TBI, which is um, traumatic brain injury. Uh huh. It's so the, the reason the reason why the reason why I ask is because, uh, from what I understand, the mechanism of action for the low level laser therapy that's a mouthful is that it stimulates cytochrome C oxidase, um, and that's essentially the mechanism of action. But yet, near infrared frequencies that's the same mechanism me mechanism of action so i just thought it was interchangeable so it's so from what i understand it's two different things that have a very similar if not the same action do i understand that correctly or am i confused uh, that, yes that's correct but you know i mean compare you're talking about comparing um llt to like just full spectrum infrared per se is that what exactly you're exactly well the 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 laser or, or even or even near uh, near infrared specifically like with your red light panel for example yeah okay so so first off full spectrum is means that it does have um, the uh, same frequencies as used in the low level laser therapy mm -hmm. but it's where um, let me see how do I put this the um, LLT um, are, are specific wavelengths that are used in a like almost like a pen light like looking device right and it's they're super high powered and they're very specific frequencies so that they can penetrate and get into a joint for instance to help someone that has you know a tendon challenge or a joint problem for healing mm -hmm. they, okay. it, ultimately it does the the same thing but it goes back to what i just was talking about about emissivity and so there's a relationship between the amount of light energy and the way it's powered. And so a laser uses very specific frequencies, but they're very high powered. So it drives that light energy deep into the tissue or deep into the body. Okay. 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 Now an infrared sauna, like our approach, full spectrum, where you're bathing in these frequencies. And so where a um, LLT or, or a low level uh, laser is a maybe a five or an eight minute treatment specifically to a joint like truly laser 
um, therapy, meaning it's surgically going to one specific area. We're, we're, we, that's a short or a sort of stinted um, therapy session where in the sauna, where you're bathing in these frequencies. I'm not trying to do that quick. I'd like you to stay in there for at least 30 minutes or mm -hmm. at, at a minimum. Um, it takes the average adult about eight minutes to get enough frequency infrared, full spectrum infrared in their body to start a physiological change to occur inside. Mm -hmm. So I'm not in a rush. I really want you to, I'm trying to move you. Uh, well, there's a lot of different <laughs> things I'm doing, but yeah. I really, you know, I'm very conscious that people are uh, sympathetic dominant now. That means that they're kind of at the edge of their chair. They're very anxious these days. They're stressed out. And so one of my goals or uh, intentions with our sauna is to have you in there 30 minutes and to shift you from being anxious to being calm, which is called parasympathetic. And that's all driven by your autonomic nervous system. Um, okay. So this isn't something that you can dial yourself. It's just a an innate system that we have inside of us that protects us. And so we were going to the animal, back to the animal kingdom. If we were walking through the jungle and all of a sudden a, a tiger came in front of us, our heart would start beating faster. We'd be getting ready to fight or fly, right? Fight or flight, right? So either fight or run. And so that's what's called sympathetic, meaning that you're very anxious and you're very, you know, you're stressed and you're getting ready to, to you know, go to battle, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to being calm and relaxed. And so knowing that in today's day that most people are super anxious and stressed, you know, that sauna does a lot more than just sweat out toxins. There's a lot, there's really a lot of thought and um, intention behind it. So would you, if I would use, let's say an analogy just for, for the audience who may not understand, or even if I may not understand, yours has more of a general sort of complete therapeutic use where whereas the low level laser therapy is more targeted and i would say let's take uh, an exercise like a compound exercise like doing a like a weighted pull up you're engaging your whole back you're engaging even your shoulders right your lats the whole deal and your biceps and that would to me i'm thinking in terms of your sauna whereas the low level laser therapy if you were to do a bicep curl, you're just targeting that bicep, but you're getting a way better bicep workout from doing a bicep curl than the pull-up, even though your bicep is being activated by the compound movement of the pull-up. Was that, would you say that's fairly analogous or? Yeah, it's pretty good. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So at least I'm all. You're right on track. It's on track. Okay. So I want to now talk about and shift to electromagnetic frequencies in the context of sauna. Now, most of the saunas out there are loaded with EMFs, as you know, which is unfortunate because here you're engaging in this amazing healing practice all while unknowingly doing damage to, like you just said, your nervous system and your mitochondria, among other things. Now, with EMFs, as I'm sure you know, you have magnetic fields, which is measured in nanotesla, and that's relatively easy to measure, and a fair amount of saunas are low in these fields, but you also have electrical fields, which are measured in volts per meter, and that's far trickier and considerably more expensive to measure, and right, the electrical fields that tend to be off the charts, despite the claim that the device is, you know, quote, low EMF. So my question to you is, is your uh, Therisage sauna third-party tested not only for magnetic fields, but also for electrical fields as well? Yes. Um, but that's an evolution in itself, that discussion. So we started remediating EMF, that's the magnetic field, about 15 years ago. 
And it happened uh-huh. kind of on a notion dove because uh, I had this little download or dream. And, 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 and the, the idea was if everything that every kind of device that's being powered by a battery or by an electrical socket that basically puts out what's called alter, alternating current, AC, AC current, generates an EMF. And my device, my sauna and my healing pads, whatever we're making, you know, plugs into a wall, then it generates an EMF. And if it generates an EMF, and again, I was postulating in my in my concept that EMF wasn't, you know, 15 years ago, there was a lot less information about it, um, was bad for you. These exogenous frequencies, non, you know, non-natural man-made frequencies were, were not good for you. Then your body's going to have to make a choice. Um, you know, do I receive all the benefits of the full spectrum infrared sauna and, or do I protect the body against these exogenous frequencies and, and what's the trade-off in a sense, right? Mm. So then back then, and of course I wasn't as forward thinking, you know, to even think that the cell phone industry would get as, you know, blow up as big as it's gotten and that we've gone from three, four, and now we're in 5G. The government's using 7G. In China, they're already um, employing 10G networks. And so this, right. is, the, this is the future of, of the frequency world in a sense, you know. Um, I just thought, well, if I could remediate EMF, then you wouldn't have to choose. Your body wouldn't be conflicted. And so that's where I just focused on this 15 years ago. And I did a fairly great job at remediating and blocking shielding EMF. And then we move into today's world where we've really dialed up these frequencies, the amount of cell towers, our exposure, Bluetooth, everything. Um, And of course, the companies that make them, these devices, they're governed by the FTC, the Trade Commission, and the FCC, the Communication Commission, and there's virtually, um, well, I'll ask you the question, Dove, how many, how many health-minded people do you think sit on the panels that, that actually determine the intensity of those frequencies for those devices? How many people do you think? I'm going to guess that's a big fat zero. <laughs> yeah, normally when I ask that question, I just say, close your eyes and tell me what you see. Yeah. So... so um, Point being that it's mostly economically driven, not health driven, and that's a, that's a crying shame the way I look at it. And how that translates is basically, and you probably know of this. Um, if I look outside my window, I can probably look as far as I can see. I'll notice maybe three or four cell towers. But if I put in my area code or my zip code, sorry, for my address where my home is, there's 43 cell towers within four miles of my home. Wow. Okay. And can you imagine? I mean, I'm. I'm living in Boca Raton, but what if you were in San Francisco or New York City, you know, oh, where there's a cell tower in every building? And and I'll tell you why that this is an interesting discussion. And I'm going to answer your question about ELF, which is extreme low frequencies, in a minute. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Diedrich Klinghart did a study. You may be familiar with him. Oh, yeah. Um, he's in the Pacific Northwest. He did a blood study, and he analyzed 100 uh, patients that were in the San Francisco Bay Area and then 100 patients in um, in the rural areas outside of San Francisco in the hills. And they're the um, blood of the, the amount of microtoxins, which is a byproduct of like a microbe, a Lyme disease or parasite and so forth. The amount of microtoxins concentration in the blood of the people in the cities was 80 times stronger than uh, or more than the 
than the blood of the people in the out in the rural areas. And the only thing that Dr. Klinghart could postulate or surmise from that was that, um, well, if they're all drinking the same water and breathing in the same air and eating the same food, basically because it's the same region, was that the concentration of cell towers was much greater in the cities. And these energies, these exogenous energies, actually will activate um, cancer and microbial activity. And what that means is that you've got a bug inside of you whose only purpose is to use your life resources, poop, which is the microtoxin, and and replicate. Hmm. So you 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 making you creating a perfect storm for these guys inside of you. And I think another that's another reason why we're um, we see these you know these uh, horrible uh, chronic um, health trends that we're experiencing. Yeah, so, and he actually talks about how he won't he actually won't take on a new patient unless they are fully on board with uh, doing a full A to Z uh, EMF, EMF remediation because he yeah. feels he's basically taking their money because they won't get better, at least his patient population who are, are very yeah. sick. Anyway. That's the way it's, that's the way exactly how it should be. You got to yeah. have some rules. And, and I do take that same position when I coach and, and uh, treat Lyme people, people with, um, with mold uh, challenges, because if you've got mold in your home and you don't remove the source of the mold, you're just never going to be able to really get them better because they're always going to be reinfecting themselves. Yeah, you're spinning your wheels. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing there. So we third-party test um, uh, all of our devices because we're guided by FDA, so we're we're considered class two medical devices. And so for that reason, we actually take a higher standard than FDA does in, in our own approach. Uh, to things, but the FDA is considered one of the top um, agencies in the world in terms of you know c credentialing and and understanding the the nature of certain devices and and kinds of tech technology. Now ELF is actually something under the radar right now. Um, we started studying ELF four or five years ago, and the effects on the body, and it took us about eighteen months to upgrade our saunas so that we actually reduce the amount of ELF down to uh, a, a very, very, very low, low level. Um, and it, it was quite a feat because we had to rewire, re-insulate, um, and essentially repackage our, our delivery system. And when, when was that? that you, oh, uh, it was, it, we, it's current now. I mean, it's integrated in our new sauna, but but it, it, it the research goes back three years. Mm -hmm. uh, and the integration has been, you know, for it took us 18 months to come up with the uh -huh. proper approach. And then, of course, you know, tested and all that good stuff. Um, so ELF, for most people out there, they're not very aware of what it is and what it does. And I think it will become more important as we move forward. So the big topic now, most people aren't actually, Dove, you know, most people really aren't cognizant about EMF either. So that's scary in itself. Um, but ELF is deeper diving and the extreme low frequencies, these are the electric frequencies like you mentioned earlier, or what would be called dirty electricity. But ELF, what it does is it changes your body voltage. And that's another really whole full discussion. There's a really famous doctor named Dr. Jerry Tennant. You may have known know or heard of his him and read some of his books, but we I've had a chance to have a few private audiences with him. His whole body of work is about body voltage. So each of our cells are like little batteries. We've got a negative and positive charge. And when you're around dirty electricity, it throws off that body battery. 
just like I mentioned earlier about hugging palm trees and grounding yourself by walking on the sand or on the on the earth surface, you know, your front lawn and so forth. Yeah. And so ELF, as we move forward, maybe in the next three to five years, is going to become just as important and paramount for people's consciousness as EMF is today. And it, EMF really hasn't touched many people. I was super surprised. And it, you know, maybe guys like us, because we're researchers and we kind of st- stick our heads in the books and want to stay on top of this. We're very fresh. It's super important to us and almost from a an, um, statement or a, uh, expression of urgency. Yeah. But like, I sit in meetings and I, I, I was in a um, meeting with a PR group in, in Manhattan and most of the people, most of the, the um, experts in the room were under the age of 30. And I just mentioned the word EMF and there wasn't a single person in there that knew what that was. Mm. Jeez. And so we have a lot of work, you and I, Dove. Yeah, to, yeah, no, right yeah, out. you got to get the word out. It's not, it's really, it's not hitting the mainstream. I think the biggest problem with this, I think without question, is that when you can't see something and someone who touts themselves as knowledgeable points to an invisible thing and says, that's harmful. And that very thing that you're pointing to that's harmful is bringing you joy. It's educating you. It's enhancing your life in some ways, right? We could obviously have an hour conversation about the downsides of all that, but they don't want to listen because they don't actually physically feel it. They don't actually visually see it. So what's the problem? You're just a nut. And so I think if it was actually visible, I think people would be at least a little bit more motivated to actually educate themselves about the downsides, right? So that's at least my theory anyway, you know. No, I, so, I, I went, I'm in the same place you are. So you, you had mentioned, at least in the context of EMF um, cancer, but I wanted to actually now pivot to infrared sauna use regarding cancer. So with all the dozen benefits that infrared sauna has, what would you say is the biggest needle mover regarding cancer and sauna use? Like, is it mostly the hyperthermic effect or is there something bigger at play? Um, great question. I think the big header topic would be hypothermia, raising core temperature. Okay. Um, there are a whole class and a lot of cancers that are heat sensitive. And there are actually some tests out there and some and oncologists are getting more hip to this that they're just doing that right up right out, out of the gate. They're just testing the cancer cancer form of cancer cell or malignancy or whatever to see whether it is heat sensitive. And if they if it is then that's one of the protocols they start with right away. Wow, it's it's not uncommon in the U.S. Um, yeah. FDA approved, of course, to combine um, radiation and chemotherapy with hypothermia as yeah. a protocol. Do you now, happen to know th- what those those tests, those assays are in particular for to test to see if that particular cancer is heat sensitive or not? Mm-hmm. Just for the yeah. audience who's interested. Actually, I don't know the exact test. We do have a handful of oncologists in our in our network um, mm-hmm. that do test for that, and I will get the exact test. I don't want to be mis um, I don't want to be misquoted, and I will text or email that to you. Um, oh yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. That would that would be great. Yeah, yeah. but I, I again, I don't want to be misquoted, but I do know from just working and interacting because the when you do test when your type of cancer tests that it is. Um, uh, thermal reacting or sensitive to heat, they come to us right away and they get people, they get our, they get our saunas because, um, yeah. the portable sauna, our portable sauna is 
one of the only ones that actually goes up to 170 degrees Fahrenheit. I was I was actually just going to say that unlike most infrared saunas, you could actually take on if someone has if someone purchases your device, they could actually engage in a hyperthermic therapy because it goes to 170, where the other saunas tend to be 130, 140, which might be good, but not as effective as obviously 170, which is pretty damn hot for an infrared sauna. It's amazing. Yeah, and it depends on your end game, like what your goals are. Right, and, right. You can target do, it. And we do that as a company, you know, with everyone that buys a sauna from us. They, we, we have a team of health advisors and coaches, and you're entitled to just sign up for free coaching. So if you know what your goals are, and that could change over time, yeah, um, for sure, for we sure, we will we will direct you as the ways to utilize our devices to get the most benefit. We don't think it's enough just to make a great product. We want to have a great. Um, delivery system, meaning get it to you on time, get you a great device, and then show you how to use it so you benefit, so you get the most benefits. Yeah. Let, let me ask you, you have that ozone device that I saw on your website, and it's a small device that you could actually place inside the sauna. And I, you know, I want you to talk about it, but in particular, would you say that would have a positive, almost like a synergistic effect if you're partaking this hyperthermic effect, be it for cancer or be it for pathogens and so forth? Or would you say that's kind of a, like a separate entity? Well, some cancers act, um, act anaerobic in nature. So ozone is an extra oxygen or adding more oxygen into the environment, or in this case, the, the portable sauna or the tent. And so the reason why I developed that device was for that reason, because the near frequencies allow the body to retain and hold on to in the blood more oxygen. Most people are deprived of oxygen. And if you've got a health chronic challenge, like Lyme disease or microbial or parasitic or cancer, then having more oxygen in your blood is only a good thing, could only help you. And then sure. again, what's that doing? It's just lowering the population of, or the advancement of these viruses, bacterias, or, or pathogens. And, and also, you know, maybe curtailing the advancement or met, the metastasizing of a cancer that might be in play. So, so, um, and, and it's then, absorbing it's just absorbing through the skin presumably because you're in the sauna it's hot so your pores are nice and wide open so it's able to actually absorb that ozone is that essentially how that works well yeah you know once you once your skin becomes um hydrated through perspiring or sweating then it becomes sort of a revolving door you get you get your toxins out and now your skin can act like a breathing organ next to your lung. It's your, it's your next breathing organ on the body. And it breathes in whatever's in that cabin, which in this case, we're, we're dialing up the amount of oxygen in the cabin. And so you're absorbing that directly through your skin, directly into your bloodstream. And then it passes with your, with your, with your blood as the transport system to all your tissues and organs. So it's kind That's of so cool. The oh, yeah, it's definitely cool. And most people that are that are oxygen therapists like that do hyperbaric or ozone, even ozone, direct clinical grade ozone treatment, they don't understand how powerful that infrared sauna is in creating a platform to help really bring that um, oxygen directly into your bloodstream. Right. And a so, little goes a long way when you're actually in the sauna itself with yeah. those infrared rays and that mixed with the heat, I would, I would imagine. Yeah. Sometimes less is more, yeah. 
Yeah, and that synergy is super powerful. Plus, the infrared frequencies, particularly, I keep going back to full spectrum because they each of these freak wavelengths, they penetrate dif to different depths of the body. And so the infrared frequencies will actually make your tissues, your organ tissues and so forth, muscle tissue, more supple. And so it's not just that you're adding more oxygen to the mix, but you're increasing the flow of that blood and oxygen around your body by 15 to 20%. And mm -hmm. the tissues that are, that are being, that are bathing in this, in this, um, in your blood, you know, and you're getting, getting the benefits of that are getting 15 to 20% more exposure and they're more absorbent. So it's sort of a win, 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 you know? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. What a clever little design there. So Robbie, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the potential downside and dark side of sauna therapy. So I wanted to now get into mineral loss. Now, one concern that I have regarding sauna therapy is ironically the intense sweating, which is obviously positive. But you know, my concern is sodium loss, magnesium loss. And I think this is a real issue for those people who don't really know what they're doing and are not working with someone like you or myself that has the knowledge to kind of coach them through some of the critical sauna protocols. So do you have any strategies that you recommend that would help mitigate some of these potential pitfalls, sauna pitfalls? Yeah, well, great point. And I'm glad that you're looking at it that way because like most people, they just sort of look at the all the benefits and don't ever consider what might be the trade-off in the, in that process, right? And so, right, so um, when you sweat, you just don't sweat water out and toxins out. You also sweat out electrolytes and trace minerals and so forth. And all, most of them are super important for your body to be balanced and for you to have protein folding and and uh you know uh proper absorption and potentiating of nutrition and so forth you know and so um there is a a very simple method it's just a function of of how much you're sweating and so we would recommend that you did sauna um every day for a minimum of 30 minutes preferably the early part of the day when you buy the sauna from us you get um a, a free 12 page reference guide that sort of delineates some of the things I'm going to mention now. Mm. And it's not just, well, one of it would be using binders. Like we, we, I don't know if I mentioned that or not, but using binders along with sauna to, to um, make the whole detox experience more efficient. Um, the other would be, um, you know, based on how much, uh, well, hydration is super important. So you need to drink eight to 10 ounces of water before and after uh, sauna and in that water supply, depending on how often you use it and how profusely you sweat, will determine how much sodium and or uh, and electrolytes and trace minerals you need to put back in. So at a minimum, if you're using sauna um, five or six days a week, I would I would dose I would definitely add more sodium to my diet every, every day. During the summertime, when you, if you were active, I'd actually add more sodium because you'll be naturally sweating and losing salts when you're out and about, you know? Sure. Um, and uh, trace minerals, they're really inexpensive. They usually come, the ones I get, there's no real brand that I would recommend, but I am getting keen to the compounds that are made from uh, by a company called Cellcor. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not. Um, but Dr. Jay Davidson and his compounders, they're, they're, they're making a really great 
um, line of, uh, of supplements. They make binders and they also make a, um, an electrolyte uh, supplement. And so I just put, you know, three to four drops into my, into my drinking water twice a week at a minimum. No, that's, that's smart. So I think the other point to bring up is I think a lot of people in these circles that are, I think, more prone to listening to a podcast like this or buying your product, a lot of them are on ketogenic diets. And I'm not going to, I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying, cause that's a whole nother podcast. But I think a lot of people don't realize that the negatively charged ketone body, bodies actually pull positively charged sodium ions out in the urine. So you're losing actually more sodium than, than you otherwise would losing otherwise would be losing. And also the loss of dietary glucose reduces the absorption of sodium because glucose helps us absorb sodium. So I think even for those people in particular, they need to add even more salt, especially if they're fasting. And to your point, if they're physically active, they're in the warm climate. And I think this is where the devil's in the details. And they really need to be smart and um, call up someone like you or myself to, to really figure out how to properly do these uh, sauna protocols with other protocols if you're coupling it with that. Otherwise, they could wind up you know, in a world of hurt because they don't know what they're doing, all while trying to do something doing something positive. So um, yeah, I, I, you're so right. And it saddens me because people generally have the right intention or they want to do it right. And so what I've noticed over the years is that the order that you do certain things in and the way that you dose those things make all the difference between a moderate result or, or an exemplary result. And so we should tell the viewers just to be, to be, uh, to ground everyone that most of the, uh, maybe about 10 or 15 years ago, the salt industry deregulated adding iodine to salt. And so mm. you'd see on the label of like Morton salt or something that it's been iodized, right? Right. So now you don't see that anymore. And so, so like table salt will actually pull the iodine out of you, which is not great, especially if you've got a, a potential thyroid condition. Of course. Um, and so, uh, so if you're going to add more sodium, and I strongly suggest everyone do that, get a good salt like a Hawaiian pink or, or a Celtic salt, something that's not highly sure. processed. I'm partial to Redmond's Real Salt. Are you familiar with that? Oh, my God. I use it every day. Oh, I love that stuff. Yeah. And it actually has a little bit of, not much, has about 150 micrograms, I think, per serving. Not much, but at least it has iodine rather than stripping the iodine, like you said, with yeah. the generic yeah, yeah. salt. Super important. Very yeah. important. So it even has a little bit of magnesium. So yeah, I particularly for someone who actually is losing salt at such, such rapid pace, especially coffee drinkers, sauna users, ketogenic diets, people who are biking. If you're going to do a sauna, you're going to regret it. You're going to wind up in trouble. So, but I, you know, I wanted to bring up an interesting, um, I want to make mention of an interesting detail relating to sauna and detox that adds yet another reason why we should be doing, in my opinion, we should be doing regular sauna sessions that I think most people don't really either know or don't talk about. Now, there's a lab, I'm not sure you're familiar, called the Great Plains Lab, and it's headed by a Dr. William Shaw. And they offer... I love them. They're fantastic. It's oh, they're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, and William Shaw's, I mean, he's a credibly knowledgeable guy. Yeah. And he offers a unique test and it's called the GPL tox test and it screens for, you know, a number of environmental pollutants. And one of them, one of the pollutants are organophosphates. And I'm sure you know what it is, but for those who don't, they're commonly used in pesticide formulations and flame retardants, among other things. So it essentially it's unavoidable. It's an unavoidable toxin. It's ubiquitous, uh, not to mention it's a neurotoxin. And according to Dr. Shaw, who has, he's looked at probably tens of thousands of these labs, 
he claims the only therapeutic, and he's seen before before and afters of those going on the protocols and three-month, six-month follow-ups to testing. And he's concluded the only therapeutic intervention that can remove these organophosphates is in the form of sweating, particularly using sauna. So really, no amount of glutathione you know, this is, this is according to him, no amount of glutathione or sulfur-based amino acids are going to effectively remove those chemicals unless a sauna protocol is put into place. So, and organophosphates are nasty. I mean, they're basically, it's basically in large amounts. It's a nerve agent. It's used as a nerve gas. It's used as basically a poison. So I just wanted to share that to illustrate yet another unique benefit to infrared sauna therapy. And I know we're closing out in time, but I kind of wanted to end on that note. Um, I don't know if there was anything you know you wanted to add, but I actually think just the organophosphates alone, the removal of them kind of make it, make it worth its weight in gold, putting aside even all the other benefits. So I don't know if you wanted to kind of add or comment to that, but I thought that no, was an important no, it's, it's a super great point. And nobody yeah. really dives in that deep, honestly. They feel it. They feel the physiology, but they don't understand why. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and Great Plains, you know, we use them. They're, they're, they've just got so many great testing methods, and particularly for mold, for microtoxins, that's that my go-to. Um, I wanted to mention one thing that we didn't touch on earlier sure. about our approach with the portable sauna as it relates to cancer and also raising core temperature, because raising core temperature is a false fever, and a right. fever is the frontline defense against most um, in, foreign invaders. And so like we talked about cancer being sensitive to heat, but also um, bacteria and viruses are sensitive to heat. And so there's a mechanism in the body that's called a heat shock protein, which is a targeting me mechanism for the lymphatic system, the T57 killer cells, to actually know what to attack, you know, identify and know what to attack. And, um, you know, an autoimmune disease is that GPS that's basically turned off or out of control. And so the 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 attackers attack the good cells, not just the bad cells. And that's the definition of that. And so, so one of the really benefits of this portable sauna, it may look a little funny because your head's out, your hands can come out so you can multitask, but having your head out, your brain is much more sensitive to heat than your body is. So if I'm trying to raise your core temperature without raising your brain temperature, the only way to do that is having your head out where your head sits in a room temperature environment where your body I can hit really hard. And that's one of the reasons why we dialed up the tech so that we can raise the temperature inside the cabin to 170. You know, that's, that's and there's smart. no other portable on the planet that does that. But even compared to many of the big wooden cabinets, it, it, it doesn't have it. Yeah. And, and also there, there are people who are just heat sensitive in general. And given that the head is more heat sensitive than the rest of the body. If even from the neck down, they're heat sensitive. If you add the head, they're not going to be able to go in for more than five minutes, especially an elderly person. So now you're able to get much higher sessions in, in terms of duration of time, which is necessary for therapeutic effects. So sure, that's why right. I liked it. Honestly, that was what drew me to your sauna was that I could stick my head out. Uh, sold. Um, I mean, obviously there was the other, there was the other many, many positive elements to it, but that is the one thing that I was, that immediately drew my attention. So yeah. And if you feel you, you if you're claustrophobic, you don't feel closed in because your head's Absolutely. out and, and many people still have dental amalgams. And when you, when you heat or you, and you, uh, when you heat up the metals, mostly the mercury, it expands and contracts. And so there's mm. toxic off-gassing, mercury off-gassing 
that happens. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. That's a great so point. you know, having your head out, you know, certainly protects you from that. So, you know, yeah. it there, like I said earlier, it looks innocent. It's not innocent by any means. That's a medical device. It should be, you know, you should understand what you're doing and create a little um, game plan, so to speak. You know, we're here to help you with that. Um, we do it on an individual basis. I love working with providers because I teach them or like, like you, you know, I teach you and then you get a chance to broadcast, broadcast that information to your network. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. we do a lot of research. We do a lot of writing. Um, we do a lot of blogging. And so, you know, maybe you could direct some people to our website and so forth and they could get informed and stay in tuned. We do, we have an Instagram uh, and some social networking uh, ways that we get the word out. And we just want to stay, you know, be real and stay current with the problems that are out there and just be sensitive to people's needs and uh, make sure that, you know, that they they uh, get back on track from a health and wellness point of view. That That's great. That's awesome. That's a that's a great way to close this out. It's been great talking to you. You're truly a wealth of knowledge and your products are, they're amazing. They're awesome. They're um, for nerds like me, especially they're, I mean, just going on your website is actually fun. So before we close out, maybe tell the listeners, like you mentioned, where they could find you and your products. And I just also want to add that you're incredibly approachable. Like we met at a conference a couple of years ago, it was actually a cancer conference. And when I spoke to you, you had given a talk. There was another physician. It was like a dual kind of thing. And I spoke to you afterward. And I didn't even know that you sold saunas. I At the time, I didn't even know. You weren't advertising your sauna. And we spoke for about half an hour. And then it just came up sort of by accident that you sold saunas. And I just thought that was great. You didn't really have an agenda. You were just trying to educate practitioners. So that kind of sold me in and of itself, the integrity of you and your product. So thank you for that. And um we really care about, remember my orientation, this all came from me managing and trying to create um, devices that could help my daughter manage her own health challenge with Lyme disease. And so when you come from that place and in a family dynamic, I mean, at some points, her uh, medical bills between traveling and medication and all that were in the tens of thousands every month. And so part of our philanthropic underpinnings in our, for our company is to keep the, the price of our, our um, devices uh, very reasonable. We make a small margin. Most of it goes back into the company for research and development for new advancements and applications. And because I'm not a salesman, per se, I'm more of a research scientist, um, I'm really keen on the education piece to try to advance people's knowledge and awareness as to the benefits of this category of energy medicine. And I was doing this started 20 plus years ago and 20 years ago, you know, I really was standing on a, on a milk carton or soapbox, whatever they call it. Right. Um, now in the last five years, it's really exponentially getting a lot more visibility and momentum. And that brings me great joy it also brings other device developers into the into the arena, but you know what? It's a big world. Everybody needs this technology. I invite um, the competition, and you know, and just the idea that more people their hands on these devices and learn and know how to use them for themselves and for their families and future generations. So um, we're That's easy great. to 
get a hold of? I mean, you can go to our website. It's www.therasage, spelled T-H-E-R-A-S-A-G-E dot com. You can write to us at info, I-N-F-O, at therasage.com. We've got a hotline that you can call. It's toll-free, 888-416-4441. And then there's a couple of selections or options, whether you want sales or, or um, yeah, customer service. And then you can go on our website, see all the new things that we're doing. We've got an uh, army of guys helping us every day with our website, constantly keeping it fresh, keeping the information out there so that we're staying on top of the, the latest and the greatest things that are available in this category. And uh, then, of course, on top, there's an area where you can click and it brings down a calendar. And then you can make an appointment to talk to one of our health advisors on our, on our team. And oh, so. We want to cover all the bases, and we just want everybody to be healthy and, and to find their passion in life and, and, and realize it. That's awesome. Robbie, thank you so much for coming on. You've been great. This is a lot of fun for me. Likewise, and I hope it's just the beginning of other interviews and times together. Absolutely. All right, man. Take care. Okay, now. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed part two of my two-part series with Robbie. He really did a great job of addressing a lot of unanswered questions relating to infrared light therapy and sauna use. There's just so much confusion surrounding this particular area when it comes to health optimization. And I think Robbie just did a great job of clearing a lot of that confusion up. Now, as I stated earlier, once again, you could follow the show so that you never miss an episode by hitting that plus sign. And you could leave a five-star review and or write a review to show your support and let me know what you think. Well, that about does it for today. And until next time, take care, everyone. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast disclaims responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties for guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.